Welcome on in everyone to this week's edition of OA News Overtime. I'm Sarah Polcheski here again with the always lovely Jordan Hill and Justin Lee. So guys, what have y'all been up to recently? Been kind of a busy week, uh, not only with Auburn football spring practice getting started, but uh, we just oh, yeah. got a puppy. We got a puppy. So my God, you might see me looking off camera a few times, but we got little Maya. So she's I think eight weeks old. So gonna have some some busy times in the apartment for the next few weeks. I'm sure. I want, I want Maya on camera, but we'll see. She'll be on. We'll get her on camera in a little bit. We got that's a tease. We can't we can't put yeah, right. give the people what they yeah, want. Stay, on tuned the top. stay tuned for that. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Justin. What have you been up to? I mean, we'll definitely get back to the dog thing, Jordan. I- at the end of this for sure i'm not gonna let that go not a lot it's a busy week uh auburn golf got it picked up men's golf picked up a uh, win at the tiger invitational today that was something that was something big for them they uh beat the rain uh got that win so uh then that was over a stacked field there were 11 sec teams in there uh and including alabama which which auburn beat by two strokes to win it um because of covid19 a lot of the sec teams are just kind of staying together just kind of doing their usual haunts you know what I mean going to their same familiar courses and just sticking together a little bit more so it was a stacked field an abnormally stacked field for the Tiger Invitational but they won so there you go well, that's always good news but I want to get on to the other thing that's happening on the other field here at Auburn it's been a super busy week for Auburn football starting spring practice on Monday and we learned a little bit about this year's team so Jordan what can you kind of what can you tell so far about this spring practice setup maybe what's going on within the program, even though no one is really there watching practice themselves. Yeah, we had a chance to talk on Wednesday with some of the players and, and they talked about, you know, a lot of change, a lot of new things compared to what they were used to seeing during the Gus Malzahn era. But, you know, we had a chance to talk to Nick Brahms and Owen Papo and, and Bo Nix and all of them, you know, we're really singing the praises of this new coaching staff, Brian Harson with the strength staff. I mean, Owen Papo said we're going to look like Marines by the time we get to the fall. So if that doesn't, you know, if you're an Auburn fan, you hear that. I mean, your ears got to perk up with something like that. So, you know, I think they're all adjusting. They all know, especially, you know, the guys on offense, that it's going to look a little different. You know, the things they want to do and sort of the style of play we may see once we get to the fall may not be what they were accustomed to, to being a part of with the Malzahn era. Um, but, you know, Bo Nix was in really high spirits kind of talking about the change and kind of talked about embracing that change. You know, he's he's the son of a coach. You know, he's a guy that he talked about with the media that, you know, one day when he's done playing, maybe he wants to coach. And he talked about that the fact he's been with so many different offensive minds and they've had so many different kind of schemes and kind of ideas about how to play offense uh, that he feels like that can only benefit him. You know, obviously it's going to be a learning period, especially these first few weeks in spring. Um, but Bo sounded up for it. And, you know, so far it's it's still kind of the honeymoon phase, especially with the players. You know, everything's going well. They feel like they've been really tested in winter workouts. And and we'll see as the spring goes on. And like we learned, we learned on Wednesday that they're going to have an open practice on Saturday. So, uh, you know, there probably won't be a ton we can judge from it, but it'll be a nice little look into to how things have kind of gotten started with the Harson era. Jordan, that's the, it's got to be, I mean, it's the first time since Tuberville, I think. It's, I mean, uh, I think Tuberville, it's definitely didn't happen under Malzahn, definitely didn't happen under Chiswick. So it's definitely the first since Tuberville, at least, um, to have that. So that's, I mean, that's totally new. That's totally different. Um, so today you guys talked to the players. 
I, I was following a golf tournament, so I didn't jump in there. But first time we talked to players under Brian Harson, and we got references to the Marines and Jesus Christ himself. So uh, it sounds like they really, really fired up. Uh, what do you, I mean, what is it, do you reckon, like, what could you glean as far as, like, what is it that, that really resonates with them? I mean, it seems like they've really enjoyed off-season workouts. They've liked the emphasis on that, right? Um, just, I don't know, what, what, have, what, what were you able to glean from them from, as far as why it's working? Yeah, I mean, talking about the plan, Jeff Pittman, who's a new strength coach, Owen Papa really sang his praises, so did Nick Brahms, I mean, what they have them doing. Nick talked a little bit about it and said, you know, like specifically, there's not a ton of different things. I mean, there's things like they're going to do like one rep maxes versus before like doing two rep maxes, so bigger weight and just fewer, you know, fewer reps with it. Um, but they really, I mean, Owen was kind of giddy, I felt like, when he was talking about sort of the plan that those guys have had him on. And, and you know, he, he, he flashed, uh, you know, he, he flexed and, and flashed off the, the work he's been putting in. And, you know, you could tell he was, you know, excited about the changes that have come to the program. And, and you know, Bo talked a lot about how personable Brian Harson has been, that, you know, with so much change, and Justin, you wrote about this early in the week, Harson faced a lot of change as a player at Boise State. Bo talked about that a little and said, you know, that he has, you know, gone out and said, look, if you guys ever need anything, reach out to me. You know, he wants to be there for those guys. And, and I'm sure he understands that's going to go a long way in, in, you know, them learning to trust him, him earning their trust. So, you know, I think, you know, with the new staff, they all knew that there was going to be changes. There might be things they like, they don't like. Um, but they seem to be really excited, and it was fun to kind of listen to, to what they're seeing. Obviously, there's a, a lot of the spring left, and you know, things could change. But And, and two, I want to throw in Owen talking about Derek Mason. That might have been when he was the most excited. You could tell with sort of the run fits they're working on and the ways they want to use those linebackers. I mean, I think that Owen expects a lot, especially out of that linebacker core, probably the whole defense. But you could tell – you know, I think we all kind of got the sense that Derek Mason would probably be a popular hire just with the reputation he's got. And, you know, on the whole, he had done a pretty good job at Vanderbilt. It, the last few years were a little rough, but you never heard people complaining about being a part of his program. And that was sort of the sense I got from what Owen had to say and, and the excitement they've got to, to probably get an A-Day and then, you know, fast forward into the start of the season. Owen, Owen, very famously, um, I, and, you know, they call him the freak. And I think part of that was because of what he could do in the weight room, like in high school. Um, like the old the old Auburn strength coach like it was kind of a worst kept secret that a lot of people kept saying that he could have been like a power lifter like olympically and professionally like that was just because his his joints and the way he's built is just built for it so that's pretty that's pretty interesting to me like if he's fired up about it I figure everybody's fired up about it I think they had like a midnight madness little weight room workout one of these days uh, in, in the dark at night that was pretty crazy so I don't know. Very different. Um, I can understand why they'd be a little bit more excited about the one rep max, I guess, because then you can do a bigger number. So a bigger number, more fun, right? <laughs> that makes sense. And that, and that's what he said too. That he felt like pretty much everybody had PR'd in the last week on, on the different workouts, and he said he had hit PRs with like everything but maybe one lift. So that that seems to be a step in the right direction, I would say. It definitely seems very different from the Gus Malzahn era into this transition. And Jordan, you kind of mentioned in your last story that at the beginning of the week that for Harson and their team, their staff, competition is the name of the game. There's no set depth chart. Now, granted, we assume Bo Nix is going to be QB1 and he's taking the reps as QB1 right now in spring practice. But 
knowing that competition is the name of the game, how do y'all think this kind of plays into the formation of this Auburn team and maybe makes them better for the fall? I think it's huge because I think anytime that there's a new staff, and again, you got to remember, there's only one member of last year's staff that's still here, and that's Cadillac, the running backs coach. Everybody else is new. Everybody's stepping into this situation fresh. And, you know, there is all the jobs are pretty much open. I mean, we know who we assume to be the front runners. Um, but if somebody goes out there and has a, a spring where they don't really show what they, you know, what we all think they're capable of doing, or if somebody um, that was like a second or third string guy just really wows, there's a chance that there's going to be changes in the depth chart. Um, so I think that's huge. Anytime there's coaching change, new head coach, two new offensive or two new coordinators, um, there's you're open to a lot of change. You're open to testing different formations and, and schemes and deciding, well, you know, this guy might have worked in Malzahn's scheme, worked in Kevin Steele's scheme, but we think it's going to fit better this way. And so I think that that's huge because we're going to see pretty much everybody given the chance to, to earn a starting spot. And, you know, these guys are not really tied to, especially these uh, upperclassmen, the guys who have been around, they're going to see who's going to give them the best chance to win. So I think that's huge. I think that you're going to see a lot of competition in the spring and there's not going to be assumptions that guys have the job. They got to go out there and earn it with a new staff. So, so we'll see how that kind of comes together. If, if you're listening to this and you haven't noticed it yet or had it pointed out to you, go look at any of the photos that they've put out from, from spring practice and they'd all be from Auburn because the media can't get in the bubble, but uh, go look at any of the photos from spring practice and you'll see on their helmets, the uh, label, they have their names, a nameplate on the, on the top of their helmets. And, and every, every, you know, I, you usually see it at the high school level when a new coach comes in and usually that's a piece of masking tape with Sharpie on it. These are uh, printed up real nice. They have an Auburn orange and blue font, but uh, that's because it's a new staff. That's, that's, you won't see that in many practice photos if you, you know, Google around. Uh, that's because it's a new staff and because they're still learning names and faces. I mean, that, that'll show you right there how, how different, you know, how everyone, I don't know, how different it is this spring, how, how new it is for everyone and how, you know, and by virtue of that, you know, the coaches are learning everyone and their abilities. So it's a fresh slate for, for everybody. So that, I mean, that, that shows you right there what, what kind of competition there is because the coaches are learning everybody for the first time. And something, Jordan, you mentioned in your story from the beginning of the week as well is that it seems like Auburn's practicing as a group on the field at the same time. What do you think that kind of means about the team that maybe Harson's trying to build this whole team mentality rather than trying to perfect certain groups and instead trying to bring the team together? I think it's probably important, especially early in spring practice, because again, this is a new regime. These are all guys kind of learning each other. And so I think that's sort of the, the thought process behind that is we're going to have everybody together, at least to the start of spring. You know, he talked about once they get into some individuals, you may say send the defensive backs to the indoor practice facility because he was asked about that. You know, how much you want to use the indoor? And, and Brian really talked about, for the most part, I want to be outside, but we're going to utilize it because it's there. So they're going to use the IPF when they need to. Um, but I think it makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, he talked about how much space they have out there um, to have the team practicing in, together. Um, to be able to get in some 11-on-11s. Uh, you know, that first practice that they had on Monday was uh, only in helmets. So, you know, there's only so much you can kind of glean from that early. But, you know, you'll they'll get to the point where they're working and, uh, you know, in full equipment. And, uh, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense, again, with the, the new regime that they want to kind of start everybody together. And, 
you know, probably work through the install, see how everything looks. Then you may get to a point through the, the better, you know, the back part of the spring, I should say, or maybe you want to train guys at different positions. So, you know, Nick Brahms kind of talked about so far with the offensive line, everybody's kind of just sticking with the position they played. But if they get to the point where they understand the offense, they sort of know what to expect and, and know their role in that position, you may see some training at other positions. Um, so, so I think it makes a lot of sense uh, to start them all off together. And, uh, and then I'm sure eventually it might kind of break down into different segments as they get through what's left of the practices. We finally get an open look into an, to an Auburn practice on Saturday. What are y'all kind of hoping to maybe see inside into during that practice? I think the biggest thing for me is probably the receivers. That's probably the, the thing I want to see because guys have been banged up. A guy like Xavion Capers, who, you know, was probably looked at as one of the more experienced guys coming back. He's probably not going to be able to go. I mean, he had off-season foot surgery after getting hurt in the Citrus Bowl. Who are the guys that kind of stand out? Who are the guys that kind of take advantage of the situation? That and then just the overall look of the defense. I mean, again, I talked about Owen being so excited about sort of the looks that Derek Mason is installing. And on Monday, when we talked to Brian Harson, he talked about, you know, basically Derek Mason can do with whatever he wants to with the defense. And to say that is to say, you know, they're going to be multiple. You may see three man fronts, you may see four man fronts, just depending on the situation. So what do we kind of see as what we consider like their base package? What, what are they kind of looking to, to really do? And, you know, we've talked about how much experience the linebackers have coming back with you know, Chandler Wooden uh, returning to the team. And then you got uh, Zacoby and, and Owen. I mean, those are some guys that have played some some big, uh, you know, played some big roles for this team. And then you look at last year, the fact that Zacoby and, and Owen both stepped up the way they did. That's probably the, the two biggest things for me. What do the receivers look like? And is there that sense of timing with Bo? Because Bo talked about that on Wednesday. You know, I kind of, I got to have to kind of gauge you know, different receiver speeds, sort of where to put the ball, what, you know, the, the specifics of getting on the same page with these new receivers after they lost their top three receivers from 2020. And so a lot to glean. I don't know, you know, how much we'll be able to tell uh, with one practice to end the very first week, but it'll be fun to watch. And, and I'm excited to see sort of what it all looks like in the stadium. Yeah, I just wonder what we'll be able to pick up, you know, from that front seven, uh, you know, just and they'll probably do if they do any 11 on 11 at all, it would just be at the very end just to get everybody excited and have a little fun. Uh, it wouldn't be meaningful, but but as far as just in drills and in what whatever we're going to get to see, I'm sure we could kind of glean a little bit based on uh, who's kind of being a stand up in, you know, who's working with the, the D linemen, who's working with the linebackers. Uh, that that edge rush position edge is what they're calling it the buck they called it the buck in the previous staff uh, we'll get a little bit of a better idea I think of just um, just how that how that front seven is going to look three four four three and that would be the most thing I'm most interested in early on is just well yeah like you said what, what's kind of the base like what are you guys operating out of you've got to have something that you're operating out of so uh, we'll see as multiple as you want to be uh, you know We'll, uh, we'll see which way it kind of goes with what seems like the base. And I'll throw in, too, what will be kind of fun to see is how these assistants operate, because we haven't talked to any of the assistants yet. We're going to get Mike Bobo and Derek Mason next week, but we may hear how vocal some of these guys are. You know, I can see a guy like Will Friend that's offensive line coach. I mean, he played. 
you know, and, and I've, you know, he coached at Georgia before and he's been around a while. So what do we kind of hear from those coaches? And, and I really want to hear from Nick Eason, the defensive line coach, because, you know, seeing what he did with the Bengals, I've seen some of his uh, conversations he's had. And even when he coached um, with the senior bowl a few years ago, I mean, he seems like a, the kind of guy he'd want to play for. So, so maybe if, if we can kind of glean a little bit out of that, that would be interesting too. And again, all these spring practices are leading up to A-Day on April 17th, and we finally found out it's going to kick off at 1 p.m. that day. But something else we also found out this week finally are the contract details of Coach Brian Harson and his whole staff. That was kind of an interesting day, slowly trickled out about the news that Harson signed a six-year deal averaging about $5.25 million a year, I believe. So Jordan... Justin, what can y'all kind of say about this contract situation that we finally learned about months after his arrival in Auburn? I'll say as far as the terms, I mean, to me, it seems like about the ballpark you would expect. I think the six-year contract, you could really see, I mean, you know, Harson understood that what he's stepping into, it may not be right off, you know, it's going to take some time to kind of do what he wants to do. And you kind of saw that with some of the assistants, I thought Mike Bobo, especially, he had a three-year deal, um, you know, to get a little bit of security. And I'm sure that, you know, with a guy like Mike Bobo, he could have stayed at South Carolina. Um, that was all lined up for him to stay. He was going to be the offensive coordinator with Shane Beamer after having been there with Will Muschamp. And I'd, I'd have to guess that they were able to kind of leverage that, you know, that the Auburn opportunity. He was like, look, I could just stay at South Carolina, give me that extra year of security and, and then I'll be good to go for Auburn. So then that probably had a piece of that. And then uh, again with Harson, I mean, you look at his record of winning, um, you, you can kind of see how the, the terms got to where they were. And again, the six years, a little bit of security as he gets in, because we know what he's lined up against. I mean, you know, if he was asked about it, that might've been the first or second question when he was introduced was like, how are you going to beat Alabama? I mean, they fired right off asking about that. Um, so that security makes a lot of sense and it's going to help him as he gets settled in. And, and, you know, the one thing that really hurts coaches when they get closer to the end of a contract is you can be recruited against. You could have, uh, you know, opposing coaches saying, this guy's not going to be here. Why would you want to go to Auburn? You know, his contract's almost up. He has the benefit of having a few years where that's not on the table. He can kind of build the program the way he wants to. And, you know, if he gets off to a strong start, uh, in 2021, and then that's only going to kind of give him more cushion to, to say, look, this is what we're building. We had a good first year and, and we've got more years to, to do it and, and kind of build off of that. So so that's sort of my thoughts on the contracts. Uh, Justin, any thoughts on on either Harson or, or some of the assistants? I thought, well, for Harson, I thought six, you know, I thought it might have been four or five. So six kind of shows, uh, six years kind of shows the commitment that they have to him. Uh, and like you said, it, it's, it helps, it certainly helps on the recruiting trail when you can do that. Um, and then, of course, we, I think we learned the buyout is 70%, right? So it's not all of what he's, um, he's going to be owed, but if they fire him after four years or whatever, they'll owe him 70% of the other two. So uh you know, so all in all, uh, you know, you didn't you didn't think he would be uh, the highest paid coach in the SEC or anything. He's still got to prove that. Uh, so but hey, I mean, one of the things about locking in locking in somebody for six years is that uh, it's going to be about four years if things go well before he can ask for a raise. You know what I mean? You're 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 you know, you could come to a part if things go well where five five and a half million dollars is a bargain for him. So uh, that's the that's the benefit. The flip side, it, it benefits Harson now to have long term. At the same time, it benefits Auburn to have long-term if things go well. So that's the gamble they're taking. So 
in that way, it, it makes a lot of sense for, for both parties. Well, it'll be definitely interesting to see how this Auburn football program progresses in the coming years and weeks and months as we lead up to Harson and his staff's first season at Auburn. Now, we do have another Auburn team going on that's about to enter championship season, and that is Auburn Gymnastics. They're about to compete in the SEC championships this weekend up in Huntsville. So, Justin, what can you kind of tell us about this meet? Because it's not as typical as like a win and in like in football when you have to win your conference championship to maybe get a bowl game, a better bowl game or to go to the college football playoff. Obviously, it's very different. Here we go. The, uh, the Justin Lee Gymnastics Soapbox. Let's go. Here we go. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit different. One of the things that they're going to try to do is they're going to try to uh, – it's kind of hard to explain, but the podium is the thing, what they call it. It's where in postseason, in these venues that aren't built for gymnastics, they put this – you know, it's, it's just like a foot-tall platform that all the equipment is on, but apparently that being off the ground is enough to – you know, you, this is a game of millimeters, so – uh, that's enough to change the the little bit of slight bounce on the floor, the slight bounce on the beam, a little bit of give maybe on the vault. Uh, so this is their first chance to work on the podium before the postseason. So it gives them a little bit of an idea of what the equipment's going to feel like uh, in the postseason. Uh, for all intents and purposes, the SEC likes to put this meet together and call it the SEC championship because that's an attractive thing to do. But it's really just a road meet for Auburn. It's just a it's just two quad meets. Um, for, and so Auburn will be in, in one quad meet. Really, it's a regular, it's just a regular season meet. Um, but it's their, for Auburn, it's their chance to drop a low road score they have, a 96.1, uh, which they had earlier this season. They scored a 197 at Florida, so they can, they can definitely, they've proven that on the road they can score uh, better than that 196.1 and drop it. Uh, I think for the most part, you know, we talked to Jeff Graber earlier this week and uh, Darian Goatborn, for the most part, they just want to be performing well. I think for the most part, it's just uh, it's a chance to get in that neutral side environment, that postseason environment, and really pr practice for regionals because that's what regionals is going to be like. Uh, it's kind of weird because one more thing is that, um, it, you know, throughout the regular season, you see um, that all, all through it, the result doesn't matter. The head to result has no bearing on anything. It just doesn't matter. Uh, you can be Auburn, for example, was one in seven in win losses and ranked 12th in the country. It just doesn't matter. Uh, but then once you get to postseason, head to head does matter. Uh, four teams and regionals, four teams go go into a meet and the top two advance. Like it matters what your opponent does and it matters how you score in comparison to your opponent. So uh, a lot, you kind of flip a switch uh, going into postseason. So that'll be a uh, That'll be what they're what they'll be trying to do um, at the at the SEC championship meet. It gives them a little bit of a in between time, a little bit chance to just kind of get that postseason feel going and to get into postseason mode. And last thing for a lot of them, uh, this is the first time going through postseason. Not only for your freshmen because they have a very freshman heavy lineup, also for the sophomores who had their entire postseason canceled last spring. So they have they're all going into this thing for the first time ever too. So you got two, you know, you got your freshmen and your sophomores all going into this thing for the very first time. So uh, that's kind of what they're looking at. The SEC championship will be a, a good practice for the ultimate goal, uh, the NCAA regionals and moving on to the national championship meet. Well, I highly suggest following along with the Auburn gymnastics team during the SEC championships. It's always fun to watch them. But going off of that, uh, something else that's kind of coming up too is Auburn baseball is about to enter its SEC season play this weekend against number four Ole Miss. Um, Auburn kind of 
the first time they faced uh, good teams, I would say, with Boston College, Baylor, OU, and Texas A&M. They kind of, I wouldn't say, they'd been average performances. They kind of have beat Texas A&M and beat uh, Boston College once and have lost the other great games that they have played against good opponents. And then this past weekend, obviously going two and one against Little Rock. What do y'all kind of expect to see Auburn going to Ole Miss for their first SEC game series of the season? Not only are they going to on the road for the first series, Ole Miss is ranked number four in the country. Yeah, they're going to get a test right off the top. And it was sort of a, a weird week for Auburn. They had to switch the Lipscomb game and, and wind up going. It was going to be a home game. And because of the weather, they went out there and they were able to win. But it's going to be a really big test. We know how good Ole Miss baseball is, and obviously they have the ranking that proves it. So I'm really interested to see how Auburn's bats show up um, because, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about this before we started recording. The guy that's really been impressive the, and probably the most impressive so far has been Tyler Miller, uh, who was an infielder that they've moved to first base, and he's been he's been doing uh, great at the plate. He's been a great hitter so far, and he's kept it up. I think he – had maybe a, a home run or two against Lipscomb. He, he's had a good start of the season. He's, you know, at a new position, but he seems to be playing well. I know Butch Thompson was bragging about him uh, a couple of weeks ago when we talked to Butch. But, uh, you know, I'll be interested in that and see how the pitching staff shows up against a really dangerous Ole Miss staff. And kind of like we talked about with Alabama and Auburn softball last week, this is going to be a big test. Can they show up and, and play well on the road against Ole Miss? It's going to be a big test, and I think we're going to be able to learn a lot about this baseball team and, and really that staff and, and, you know, seeing how they can handle the situation against, you know, what could prove to be the best team in the SEC. Right, because this is what life is going to be like for the rest of the season, right, those three-game road stretches with, you know, with SEC teams. Uh, I think they could go down there with a lot of confidence, though, because, uh, you know, Ole Miss, is, Ole Miss has lost some games this year. Um, I remember they lost two to UCF who has like a terrible losing record. So uh, that just, that also just kind of goes to show that baseball things happen sometimes just like Auburn, you know, allowing nine runs in the ninth or whatever they did. So uh, yeah, big uh, bit, but it's a big test. Uh, I think it could go down there with a little bit of confidence to try to try to take one or two though. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely going to be a challenge, but it's one you got to get used to. This is life now in the SEC. So there you go. Buckle up, SEC opener. Well, that'll be definitely a series to keep your eye on. But also kind of going on this weekend, Auburn's not playing in postseason basketball this year. But March Madness is still kicking off this weekend in Indianapolis. I know we're all in bracket challenges and picked our winners. So, guys, who do you have winning this year's tournament and the national title overall? I'm boring. I went with Baylor. I think Baylor's really good. One of my teams that I had going for was West Virginia. That might be, you know, they're a three seed. That might be kind of the biggest upset I have. But sticking with Baylor, I think that they're going to wind up winning the championship. And I got to say, since I live with a Michigan alum, Michigan, I, I say it's Baylor and Michigan in the title game. <laughs> I haven't even filled out my bracket yet. I got to do that. But uh, I think. Uh... Uh, I don't know. I think Texas Tech could go far as a six seed. I believe in uh, Coach Beard down there. Uh, I think Texas will also go pretty far uh, as a three seed. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think I, I, I'll probably pick Gonzaga probably just for fun, just because uh, I'd like to see them win. So probably, probably picking uh, Gonzaga. I don't know my final four yet, though. I got I to gotta get on that. What do we, we got to like Thursday, Friday? We got a little bit of time. 
Yeah, I went Sarah, boring. You, I yeah, went boring too. I went with Gonzaga, and of course, I put Illinois also after that overtime win against Ohio State. I thought that was pretty impressive of the late season run they've had. So, I've got two brackets. Actually, I've got three brackets now. I don't remember how many I have. Illinois in the final. I know I have Illinois winning one of them, but I think Gonzaga is going to be the one. I'd love to see an undefeated team go the whole way, win the title. And I think they're one of the most deserving teams. They're kind of always the underdog every single year, even though they're very, very, very good every year. Just, I feel like they're underappreciated, even still as an undefeated team. But Jordan, here we are. We're looping back to the beginning. Dogs. <laughs> let's, let's hold for one second and we'll get Maya on the screen. You know what? I'm going to join and get my dog on the screen if she'll allow me. <gasps> 1976 Indiana Hoosiers are the last undefeated champion. How about that? Gonzaga can oh, join history. You're coming on the podcast. I know. Hello, Angel. The oh. <gasps> puppy party. Wow. Look at him go. Say, you know, I have to say Maya looks a lot cuter than Kiki right now, who's just staring at her father She's right now. Blending into the background a little bit. She is. And fun fact, talking about March Madness, coming out with my Auburn alum. She got named during the final four. When Auburn did a run, she's named after Chuma Okiki, hence the name Kiki. But Maya's looks a lot easier to hold right now, too. Miles is named after Spider-Man. Uh, I just woke him up from a nap, so he's not very happy. But uh, yeah, there he is. Jordan, I think Maya muted your mic. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> this is a pet-friendly podcast. Always, it's always a pet-friendly podcast with all the puppers. <laughs> well, guys, do you have anything else interesting coming this week other than Jordan's got a dog? I've got an annoying dog. Spring practice, I mean, uh, open practice Saturday. They dropped that bombshell on us. None of, none of us had any ideas, So, Hey, we'll have a lot to take away from that. So uh, just follow us on social media. You know, it won't be on TV or anything, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep you in the loop. We'll have that, and we'll have Pro Day on Thursday. We'll have a few guys that are trying to, to impress some scouts, so we won't be able to, to be there to watch it, but we're going to be able to talk to some of the guys and sort of see how they were able to handle it. Well, as always, everyone, you can follow along with what Justin and Jordan are doing on Twitter, on Facebook, on oanow.com. And as always, once again, thank you so much for your support, whether you listen to us through a podcast or watch us on the website through the video. Um, we really appreciate it and we appreciate the support. The support. Until next time, see y'all this time next week. <laughs>